we were perfect in the reviewer's eyes for the goals of the NCI program, which is to do large amount of impactful cancer research. This is the James Cancer Free World Podcast. I'm Steve Wartenberg, and today our guest is Dr. Peter Shields. Peter is a lung cancer specialist, and he's also the deputy director of the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center. And that's what we're going to talk about today with Peter, the Comprehensive Cancer Center. What is a Comprehensive Cancer Center? Why are they so vital in creating a cancer-free world? And how the Ohio State Comprehensive Cancer Center has evolved into one of the largest and best in the entire world. Thanks for being here, Peter. Thank you for inviting me. So, Peter, let's start with the basic question. What is a Comprehensive Cancer Center? Well, a Comprehensive Cancer Center, which is abbreviated CCC, um, is a designation from the National Cancer Institute, which is part of the National Institutes of Health, federal government. And this was a program that was actually established in the 1970s, uh, around the time of uh, Nixon's war on cancer, okay. and as part of that legislation. So it's been around a long time. And there's different ways of thinking about it. Uh, it's a grant. So every five years, we have to write thousands of pages, and, and we'll come back to the review process. Uh, but it gets reviewed by people at other cancer centers, and we get a score. Um, and you get the grant, which brings in real money. It's also like an accreditation. So an interesting fact is about 80% of the dollars that go into cancer research at universities are based at the 49 comprehensive cancer centers. Wow. So it's, so it's a chicken and the egg thing. So each of these places are powerhouses that they attract the dollars that the federal government is giving for cancer research. So this is 80% of the federal dollars, not... Correct. Okay, because these other institutions raise money on their own, but the federal dollars, which are the, the seed money that gets everything started, that's the comprehensive cancer centers get 80% of that. Right. Well, it's actually a lot more than seed money. It's also yeah. definitive okay. studies. And I would bet that if anyone looked, and maybe they have, if you look at foundation dollars other types of federal dollars besides NIH, it probably follows the same way. Most of the cancer research are in these places. And I often caution faculty, junior faculty that we're interviewing, you know, I'll always say, I want you to come here to Ohio State. But if you don't, you're good enough that you should only be in a comprehensive cancer center because more than a grant, more than accreditation, more than money, what it is that you demonstrate to people outside your institution who have no skin in the game that you are making impacts way beyond what you could do at a university if the, if the university didn't have that Cancer Center grant. And that's really important. So this grant is really stories. They're not evaluating the science per se, but did you have a vision to develop the science that then led to an impact, a new drug that's curing cancer, a policy that's affecting how people eat or smoke, um, uh, so, so policy impacts, maybe new screening implementation, better ways to treat patients. You have to show that you've actually made a contribution, that you just didn't have a researcher who came in, did a bunch of research, wrote a bunch of papers, and then no one ever read the papers. That okay. doesn't count. And so, so doing that um, is really fulfilling the NCI's dream, which is making cancer research impactful in ways that are measurable. And I could talk about the metrics of what they actually look like in the process for review. 
Uh, well, before you get to that, in terms of the metrics of the review, of the review, in order to qualify and be a National Cancer Institute designated comprehensive cancer center, wow, that's hard to say. What elements do you have to have? You talked about how it's throughout the university, throughout cancer research. What are the components? So, some cancer comprehensive cancer centers, and by the way. Any hospital could say, I'm a cancer center. I'm a cancer institute. What they can't say is that I'm an NCI-designated NCI, yeah, one. Right. So you'll get in the same city a comprehensive cancer center and a competitor, which could be a smaller community hospital, say, oh, we've got a great cancer institute or a great – they can even call themselves comprehensive institute. Uh, There's no labeling, but they just can't use the NCI okay. logo and designator. And so it often confuses the public when that happens. And so there are different components to it, okay? So you have to prove the impact. You have to prove you have critical mass in three general areas of cancer research, in clinical trials, in basic science, and in population science. And you have to show how all of that works together to be more. So, you know, so as you're taking care of patients with great clinical trials— you're also thinking about their quality of life, or you're having studies go on in the same type of patients for early detection, or chemo prevention and survivorship, or better imaging of their tumors. So you have these physicians, these scientists, basic scientists, physician scientists, who are working together on the same problems coming from very different perspectives. And that only happens in these types of cancer centers. So you know, a community hospital could be have some great clinicians, but they're not these sort of super specialists that we have. They're not working with the basic scientists who, you know, they're not getting into a room and saying, hey, I've got this patient with this tumor that's got this really unusual mutation. And a basic scientist steps up and says, hey, I'm studying that mutation. There's an interesting pathway that, you know, it affects. Maybe you could even try this drug. That's what or happens you, here. That's what happens yeah. here at Ohio State, which you don't yeah. get at other places. So it's the translational impact, the whole NCI program for comprehensive cancer centers is they don't want basic science for basic science, as important as that is. It's very important because you don't get to the translation if you don't get the, the very basic science. But they want to fund the science that's going to impact patients as soon as even a few years. So you need a lot of people, a lot of scientists, a lot of specialists, a lot of physicians. How big is the Comprehensive Cancer Center here in terms of people who work here? So part we're... Of the team? Across the university, we're about 250 faculty that are members of the Cancer Center working on cancer problems. Some of them do others, other things as well, but that's a lot of critical mass, as you could see. So these are 250 labs or? Well, or, some or, of them are wet labs, meaning that they're working with test tubes and machinery, and some of them are dry labs. So that might be researching policy or perceptions, or what do we do to better communicate to um, the healthy population, the impact of this type of diet versus that, pop, you know, that versus that diet. So a lot of perceptions, you know, when we do, um, so for example, in tobacco, so I do a lot of tobacco research, the warning labels on packages, how to make them more effective. You know, so people really can make informed choices. There are studies on informed decision-making, both in terms of signing your consent form for, for surgery as well as you know, going into a clinical trial or some other research trial. So you have to have this critical mass. You have to have the stories of impact on how you've influenced things. 
you know, and so what people don't realize is that the NCI is pretty serious about this. It's not an easy club to get into. You really have to prove to these external reviewers that you're contributing in ways that wouldn't happen. And to have the grant, to make it successful, a lot of people don't understand that actually the NCI says to the university, if university, if you want one of these designations and you prove to me that you've got the critical mass and you're making impact, you also have to agree to certain things, which is oh. the cancer center director has to have full authority over their space, over their budget, over the shared resources that they provide, that they have a lot of flexibility and freedom that allows them to get their job done. Now, sometimes at universities, I've seen um, issues at universities I won't name, but where there's sometimes internal power struggles. And the NCI literally will fly to the president of the university and say, hey, you, want to reor- you have the right to organize your university any way you want. But we have the right not to give you the grant. Right. And so, so if you don't want the grant, because this other organization you think is more important for your future, go for it. Okay. And so that sometimes happens. And it, it seems perhaps obvious, but, but why is that? Why does the NCI want the Comprehensive Cancer Center du- uh, Director to have that autonomy? So now through almost 50 years of experience, they've learned that the best decision-making for cancer is by the cancer specialist. And it's really interesting because if you're outside this program, it's really hard to understand how impactful it is because you're not living and breathing it, and it is. And those of us in these programs scratch their heads and say, why isn't there one in neurosciences, comprehensive neuroscience centers, comprehensive pediatric centers? Whatever the reason is, over the years in NIH, it's been too expensive, it's too complicated. I personally think it's because people outside the system don't really see how impactful it is. So they don't make the commitments to do that, whereas the vision around cancer was that back in the 70s. It's almost as if back then in the 70s when they created this, they didn't quite know how effective it would be that it would create this collaboration and this mindset that you just mentioned and that that's almost like an unintended consequence that worked perfectly. Well, and this is a dynamic process. So every two to three years, the NCI changes the guidelines. Oh, So they're learning. And so sometimes they've implemented stuff that were dumb, <laughs> that didn't okay. work, and then it went away the next time. Um, and then other times they add in stuff. So right now, There's a big push on community engagement and how we're doing research in our catchment areas. For us, it's the state of Ohio. And so they want us to report in a separate 12-page document how we have improved the lives of people in Ohio through our research. And now that has been such an important review criteria that has greatly affected people's scores if you do it great or you don't do it so well. Which seems perfect because you were on our podcast earlier talking about the beating lung cancer in Ohio initiative, which is exactly that, a statewide program for lung cancer patients. Well, and I I will say that historically at Ohio State, um, this has been something very seriously considered. Some universities only give it lip service, but we have a lot of really talented people. I'll give a shout out to Electra Pesquet, um, who's been leading this program. When we looked at these new guidelines, we were like, okay, we're done because she's been doing this for yeah. years. 
Um, she's almost been defining how to how to do this. And Electra was also on the podcast talking about population sciences. Right. So 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 it changes every couple of yeah. years. And then the review process is a serious review process. I mentioned that the grant is thousands of pages. We have to talk about the impact of our science. We have to talk about the infrastructure on how we have enabled this science to happen. So part of those stories are we recruited these people because we had an emphasis in immunotherapy. We then built this shared resource that can do immunomonitoring of cancer patients as they respond to therapies in clinical trials. That's led to these three papers that then gave someone an idea at Ohio State for a better way to do the drugs. We then got FDA approval to use the drug, and now the drug is FDA approved. Hmm. You know, and we have examples right. of things like that. Um, you know, uh, John Bird with, with Ibrutinib is an example of how, uh, based on pioneering work, that is now saving you know, countless lives of people with chronic lymphocytic leukemia. And so those are the types of things that the reviewers look at. They also look at hard metrics. How are we doing in our grant funding? How many patients we're putting on clinical trial? How many of those grants are, or papers are by multiple researchers? Or is it some siloed lab in the corner? Okay. Um, uh, and there's other you know, hard met- metrics as well. And as those, inc- as those increase, um, that's, that's hard metrics. But there's also the the softer metrics of the impact that just wow the reviewers. Okay. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Peter, and we'll get a little more into the details of these hard and soft metrics that the NCI uses to score and qualify comprehensive cancer centers. A revolution in lung cancer treatment is happening at the James. We're proving lung cancer isn't solely defined by location and stage, but rather the individual molecules and genes that drive it. Simply put, there is no routine lung cancer. That's why our world-renowned specialists put their expertise towards treating one particular lung cancer, yours. At The James, we go beyond the routine to prevent, detect, treat, and cure your lung cancer. To learn more, call 1-800-293-5066. We're back with Dr. Peter Shields talking about comprehensive cancer centers. And Peter, give us a little history of how Ohio State's Comprehensive Cancer Center has done in terms of uh, scoring from the NCI and the, the grades you get, if grades is the right word. So you do get a score, which is a grade. Okay. In uh, today's scores, uh, it's like golf. The lower the score, the better you are. Okay. A perfect score is a 10. But you also get descriptors. So you could be um, good, very good, excellent, outstanding, or exceptional. Okay. So a very good is like a C. So a very good is is not very good. Okay. As a taxpayer, you don't want your money going to a university that's only doing very good. Okay. Okay. And so these grants are not entitlements. Cancer centers do lose them. Uh, or universities rather do lose them. Most of the time what happens is they get close to losing them because they've lost sight of some of the metrics. And then the university has to put in hundreds of millions of dollars. And then they get back in good standing after three to four years of rebuilding. I mean, not just because they put the money in, but because they strategically responded to the comments and criticisms of the review process. Yeah, it's like the NCI tells you, this is where you're lacking. You better change this around or you could lose your designation. So if your eye dropped off the ball of basic science, you better build it up and not just hire a whole bunch of people, but do it strategically 
so that, again, you'll have those stories. So um, historically, at NCI in the 90s, at OSU, uh, the Cancer Center core grant was about to be lost. Oh. They were not particularly okay. strong. Um, and at that time, that's when they recruited Clara Bloomfield and Mike Calagiri and a whole bunch of people from Roswell. And they came in and they had incredible institutional support, said, let's clean this up, let's get better. And they went from a very good score to their next review, which was excellent. Then they went to outstanding. Then when I was recruited in 2011, they had just come off a review where they were exceptional and they got a score of 12. With 10 being the best. Right. 12, okay. And then uh, three years ago, we went back in and even though we'd gotten a 12 last time, in fact, we were better. And we told the reviewers that we were better. We didn't really expect to get a score of 10, which is perfect, but that's what they gave us. You got a 10. Okay. We got a 10. Perfect which is, score. Now, now, of course, no one's perfect. We're not perfect. Mm-hmm. But we were perfect in the reviewers' eyes for the goals of the NCI program, which is to do large amount of impactful cancer research. And how, that's really critical. How rare is it to get a 10? Well, so a few centers have 10s. Dana-Farber is one of them. Memorial Sloan Kettering is another. You know, so we're part of, I mean, it sounds negative, but a part of a club that is really among the best cancer centers in the world. Okay. And so when is the next evaluation period? Well, the next grant will be due a year from January, which is 2020. January of 2020. And we're already starting to prepare. It takes a year to write this 2,000-page grant. Every word is important. And you have to really show how you've been better. So part of these grants are not just here's how the science made an impact, but there's a whole section on senior leadership. So part of my salary supported from this grant, there's got to be three paragraphs or a half a page or a page on what I have specifically done to foster cancer research across this university, not just my own science. So not just you in you and your, your lab and your work, but as the deputy right. director, how have you helped others? That's true for our program leaders, mm-hmm. our associate directors, our shared resource. The grant is really, I didn't mention this earlier, is really an infrastructure grant. It's not going to fund science. It's going to fund the oh, machines the, and the, the people that we hire overhead. to run the machines. Yeah, so overhead's not quite but, the right word. But, but like, you know, I do a lot of tumor sequencing, very, exp- very expensive. I could have a machine in my lab, that's a million dollars, but why doesn't the cancer center have one machine run by experts and support a lot of investigators so we don't have to have a machine in every lab? So those are called shared resources. Uh, Okay. And so we have a lot of shared resources. We have developmental dollars. But they look at, for example, um, we're very lucky to have the Pelotonia dollars. They look at how we spend it. They look at the process that we use to give those dollars out. Because if it's not a good process, they'll call us out on, on, on not forwardly thinking of wasted opportunities. So one of the reasons why we got a 10 is because, A, we could show the community support, but, but more importantly, B, that we're spending it wisely with a process that's transparent and rigorous. That's interesting. Because I hadn't thought of it in that respect that Pelotonia adds to your overall uh, score in, the, in that sense and that using that money wisely is, is vital. So it's interesting. So as part of the process, there's not only we write the grant, 
but 20 to 30 scientists from other universities come to evaluate us as a site visit. I mean, it's a huge dog and pony show. We're well rehearsed because we got to communicate what we're doing in little 10-minute snippets. You know, you can't, you know, in a day, you can't describe everything that's going on in the cancer center. So you have to be selective and concise. And one of the questions they asked Mike Caligiri, well, there's a couple of questions. One, they asked the president about the infrastructure at OSU um, and, and how that helps. And I should, and I'll talk about that. But they also asked Mike about how we have so much funding. How does the core grant help? I mean, I hate to say this, but the core grant gives us about $5 million a year, which is a lot of money, but that's small compared to our overall budget. And Mike gave a very smart answer, which he said that the review committee has to understand that this is – that they, the review committee, are our peer review process. So it doesn't matter the dollar amount we get from the grant. It's their score because that's what gives the confidence from the university, from our donors, from other funders – uh, from the NIH review committees, that do, we're doing a really good job because these site visitors came and said we're doing a really good job. Yeah, you need uh, someone from the outside to validate what you think you're doing right or to push you in, the, in a different direction if you're not. Right, because otherwise we could talk about how great we are, but we talk about how great we are because we got externally peer-reviewed. And these reviewers write stuff that you know talk about how our infrastructure is making things happen in ways that no one else is doing. And if we're not, these are people who know how to look under the hood. If you say something that smells like it's phony, they know where to go for the data. <laughs> you know, okay. They know which table to look at. They know to look at our notebooks. They know how to search in, you know, in databases to see if we just said something that was, I hate to say this, fake news. Okay. <laughs> okay. I've heard that term before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so they know how to do the fact check. So now this time around, uh, Rafe Pollack, the director of the Comprehensive Cancer Center, and you, the deputy director, are leading this um, new review. And I have to imagine that it's every five years, right? It's every five years. So within in that five-year period, cancer research advances so so much that even if you did everything you did five years ago, you wouldn't get a good score anymore because everything's changed. So w- what has happened in these past right. few years that you've added and improved and, and so, developed that's new? And so, so another reason why this program works across universities is knowing that you are going to be peer-reviewed by people from other universities. Every day you're thinking about your strategic plan. How am I going to present to these external reviewers why we went into this direction. And they'll look to see whether we did the right investment, if we did the right recruitments. So this becomes really important because it's not like we're just opportunistically growing. We're growing in ways according to plans that are then going to get reviewed. And you know, with each review, there's a 30 to 40 page review document that is now available to the next reviewers. Oh, okay. So if the previous reviewers said, this program was weak because they weren't doing enough of X. The new reviewer is going to come in and say, so what would you do about X? So it's really got that continuity, which is really important. So, you know, the types of areas that we've been really emphasizing historically, was, which is around the, um, uh, you know, the genetics and the targeted therapies, the prevention areas, um, the, uh, um, the growth in clinical trials and novel therapies, and so, uh, you know, genetic counseling 
And so we've grown all of those, but what's really exploded over the last few years, which we were doing, but not nearly as much as now, is the whole immuno-oncology and immunotherapy. Okay. And we have very big efforts now and recruitments around this. Uh, we're growing very, very fast. That's going to be woven throughout the whole grant on how we are literally saving patients' lives and, the, and, the, and even the patients who have uh, terminal cancer, how their lives are so much better in terms of quality of life and, and survival. You know, so we're talking about um, growths in the uh, cancer immunology area, cancer and aging area, prevention centers, um, cancer um, uh, and I forget what I said, cancer engineering or cancer and aging. But both of those are also part of our priorities as as our future planning. What process. does cancer engineering mean? Well, so a lot of you know, cancer cells are structural. Right. Imaging is structural. Software, computer programs, and apps are structural. So it's really the engineering guys who have to know how to build these bridges, know how to take a drug and deliver it better, know how to formulate the, the, the structure of this drug so it's more effective. Um, so we have a great college of engineering. Uh, we're partnering with them and investing in their faculty to come up with new uh, softwares, how to approach you know, data analysis, how to make the electrical circuitry better, to make computers faster so that we can do better cancer research. Wow. So how is it possible that you and Rafe Pollock both see patients, do research, and are administrators? How do you fit all this into uh, a day, a week, a month? <laughs> well, it's, it's trusting the experts, right? So, so you know, in a site visit, it's really interesting. The really good site visits for these core grants is someone throws out a question to the cancer center director. You know, he answers it at the 40,000-foot level and then turns around and says, but Peter could add to it. Okay. And I take it to 30,000. But then I know who to talk to in the, you know, in the scientists in the room and say, but this person could really add to it who now brings it down to the 20,000-foot 20, level. You know, part of my job is to get folks together to brainstorm on how they could do something. They don't really quite know what they're going to get or what they want when they come into the room, but they leave the room thinking they got real value in purchasing a collaboration um, as ways of putting things together. So they walk out saying, boy, I got real value in the car that I just bought by bringing these folks together. And that's what Rafe's job is. That's what my job is. The grant funds, other senior leaders, associate directors and program leaders. Our job is connect the dots among the researchers if they say they need a piece of equipment or they need an infrastructure or they need a consenting process fixed or they need the electronic medical record fixed, we make it so that they could do their research. They should be able to come in and get their work done and not have barriers. I mean, that's the best way to get cancer research done. So it's recruiting the best people in the world, giving them what they need to get their job done, and then letting them do it. If, they fail, if they fail, it shouldn't be because we didn't give them the right resources and infrastructure. And you have. You've built one of the biggest, largest, best teams in the world. And so. in fact, we enjoy a lot of um, institutional support from the university. The delegated authorities to Rafe Pollock, the amount of space, the reporting structure, which goes up to the university. So we're incentivized to support research across the entire university, not in some siloed section of the university. All of these things are actually really important for us to be able to get our job done. Okay. Well, thank you. That was a great look, an overview from 40,000 feet, 30,000 feet, 10,000 feet of what a comprehensive cancer center is and how you guys are, are changing the world and, and creating a cancer-free world little by little.
Thanks for having me. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center and Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital and Richard J. Soloff Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.